Welcome to this special masterclass with Marianne Williamson. Marianne is a celebrated and dynamic public speaker, a New York Times bestselling author, and a former presidential and congressional candidate. Back in 2018, when Commune was barely out of the womb, we asked Marianne if she would teach a course, and she said yes, and it's a course I have never taught before. I want to speak to anyone who is out there teaching spirituality or trying to help people, and I want to share the wisdom I have collected over my 35 years of being a teacher. That course became our 10-day program, Teaching the Teachers, and what you are about to hear is a collection of excerpts from that course. There are many different roles that have to do with the conveyance of spiritual information. Now, you might be a psychotherapist or a coach or a clergy. You might be a yoga teacher or an inspirational speaker. Or you might be aspiring or in training to be any of the above. All of those roles include the transmission of spiritual information. And for that transmission to be meaningful and impactful, it must come from a profound and authentic place within you. This training aims to deepen students' understanding of spirituality and their devotion to their practice, and it also serves as a guide to help teachers convey principles with depth and clarity. According to Marianne, the spiritual life is not when you are making something happen. The spiritual life is where you're allowing everything to happen. This idea girds Marianne's emphasis on both listening and prayer two topics that she addresses in these lessons. If you want to watch Marianne's full course, Teaching the Teachers, you can sign up for a 14-day free trial of Commune membership at onecommune.com slash trial. Commune membership unlocks more than 90 courses on personal development, health, and social impact, including an additional course with Marianne on relationships. Just go to onecommune.com slash trial to sign up for free. I'm Jeff Krasno, and I hope you enjoy this class with Marianne Williamson. When my career began, this professional niche didn't even exist. Uh, There were two things that you could do with your life if you wanted to dispense religious or spiritual information. One is that you could be a a religious uh, personage. You could be a clergy person. In fact, my mother kept telling me, your father and I have discussed it and we'll be glad to send you to rabbinical school. Um, So you could do that. Or you could be uh, an academic. You could be, for instance, a professor of comparative religion. I knew that my heart sang, um, talking about A Course in Miracles, talking about religious and spiritual information. But I didn't feel that I was supposed to be a clergy person, and I didn't feel that I was supposed to be an academic. So because of those things, I didn't feel that what I was doing would be like a career of any kind. Now, I mention this because of how well it served me. If you don't think there is anything to be ambitious for, you're not ambitious. And ambition gets in the way. Ambition gets in the way of any career on on a certain level, but it definitely gets in the way of anything having to do with uh, spiritual transmission. And that really is what this course is about. This course is about moving from 
dispensing information to actually allowing your consciousness to be on some level a conduit for transmission. Because, you know, you can learn spiritual information. You know, there are enough books, not only the great spiritual source materials, but now so much of this spiritual source material has been popularized not just by me and my books, obviously, but by many, many people. And there's some really good material out there. And at this point, most of us have read them, you know, most of us have read the same books, we've listened to the same tapes. But to have this as your life's work, something much more is called for. And so your consciousness is very, very much um, a part of what determines how deeply people can receive information from you. In A Course in Miracles, it says people hear you on the level that you speak from. I also want to mention a line from The Course in Miracles, which is, miracles are everyone's right, but purification is necessary first. So there are two issues here. One is that miracles are everyone's right. The second is that purification is necessary first. A miracle is a shift in perception from fear to love. Perception is thought. Thought is the level of cause. The world we experience is the level of effect. So if you really want to change your life, and if you really want to help change someone else's life, you don't want to just address the level of effect. That would be like going up to a screen and trying to change the plot of a movie by manipulating the screen somehow. And obviously, the images do not derive from the screen. The mind is the projector onto the screen. When you change things on the level of cause, then the effects automatically change. A miracle is a shift in perception from fear to love. Those are the only two categories of emotion, according to A Course in Miracles. So all negative emotion, all that is not love, derives from fear. And fear is to love as darkness is to light. Darkness is not a thing. Darkness is the absence of a thing. So you turn on the light, the darkness automatically disappears. You turn on the love and the fear automatically disappears. So the miracle is that shift in perception from fear to love, and then when it says, but purification is necessary first, what we have to be purified of is loveless thinking. So the reason a lack of ambition is actually an aid to your work is because ambition is impure. What do I mean by that? Does an embryo have to be ambitious to become a baby? Does an acorn have to become ambitious to become a, 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 an oak tree? Does a bud have to be ambitious to become a flower? No, there is natural programming which is built into the universe. And the universe here is, think of the universe as the handwriting of God. The embryo is programmed to become a baby. The bud is programmed to become the blossom. The acorn is programmed to become the oak tree. You are programmed. You are already programmed to be the highest level of manifestation that reflects the ultimate, highest, creative possibility for you in this lifetime, which, by the way, is infinite. Now, ambition means you doubt that. So the more your thinking is aligned with God's, the more God can work through you. So to be ambitious is actually to doubt God. 
To be ambitious is saying, I need to walk ahead of God here. I need to make something happen. The spiritual life is not where you're making something happen. The spiritual life is where you're allowing everything to happen. You know, in our society, an image that you hear a lot about success is that you should take the bull by the horns. What a suicidal thing to do. So to be a spiritual teacher or to be anything that is a successful career, you're not trying to take the bull by the horns. And these days, this needs to be said. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I meet people who have, you know, attended a couple of seminars and set themselves up as spiritual teachers and, oh my gosh, think that if you have your marketing right, you can make it happen. This is corrupted thinking. I'm sorry. This is, this is the problem in America today. Um, we, we, it, it's not only ambitious, it's out of integrity. Obviously, anytime you are dispensing any kind of spiritual or religious information, you have a profound responsibility. And, and somebody who is listening to you, somebody who is receiving from you, anything that has to do with spiritual information, they are giving you access to, to their psyche, to a very vulnerable, sacred part of their psyche. You can't mess with that. You're really karmically off to mess with that. Nobody's asking you to know everything. Nobody's asking you to be an avatar, but you have a serious responsibility to be honest, and you have a serious responsibility to be in your own integrity. And your own integrity does have to do with your resisting the impulse for ambition. And once again, this miraculous shift in perception from fear to love in that case means a transition from ambition to inspiration. So as I was saying, I was served by this in the early days of my career. There wasn't anything to be ambitious for. Um, I was excited to be there. When I um, first started reading The Course in Miracles back in the 1970s, I felt moved to go to the, uh, to the apartment in New York City where they were publishing the books. And at that time, I was just going to purchase one. And there's a woman named Judith Scotch. And Judith Scotch is the president of the Foundation for Inner Peace. Um, she really brought The Course in Miracles to the world in terms of its publication. And I met her that day, and she was getting on the elevator, and she was going to Houston, which interestingly enough is where I was born and raised, and she was going to talk about A Course in Miracles to a group of people. And I remember my heart leapt, and I thought, gosh, what an amazing thing to do with your life, that you just kind of get to go around talking about A Course in Miracles. But once again, there was no reason to think this would be like a career. It, there, was, there was nothing to be ambitious for, and this served me. Now, when my career began, you know, now... You see love everywhere. I, I had some almond butter this morning, and on the, on the bottle it says love, you know. And I always smile inside because when I first started, you know, when my first book, A Return to Love, came out, and I was standing up in public at this place called the Philosophical Research Society in Los Angeles talking about love, at that time there had been a book by a man who has since passed named Leo Buscaglia. And I think the book was called Love. But other than that, love wasn't something you discussed 
outside a personal context. I mean, Gandhi did and Dr. King did in these very high philosophical conversations related to something like nonviolence. But it wasn't this like mainstream cultural conversation. It wasn't part of a cultural jargon yet, you know, to talk about love. So at the time it was, it was radical. And I have watched in the arc of my career what in the early days of my career was a conversation that made people in the audience go, wow, I mean, I've never even thought of that before. Those days are so over because now, like I said, we've all read the same books. We've all listened to the same tapes. And now it's more like somebody might say to somebody next to them in the audience, isn't that interesting that you mentioned that? Because that's exactly what we were talking about last night. So remember, whether you are a psychotherapist, whether you are a yoga teacher, whether you are a spiritual teacher or want to be a spiritual teacher, whatever it is, these basic spiritual principles by now are part of mainstream jargon. So the issue of your work doesn't have to do with just your intellectual understanding of these principles. And by the way, that's extremely important, and we're talking about that in another section of this course. But as important as that is the level on which you receive the information, which means the level on which you seek in your own life to practice the principles. Because people subconsciously know everything. Your audience or your clients, whomever, does not expect you to be perfect. But they can tell it when you're trying and they can smell it when you're not. And that kind of grandiosity and, and bogus quality that some people have where I have it and you don't, it's not the zeitgeist of this moment, it's not the impulse of this moment because it's not true. That's not the impulse of the modern teacher. The impulse of the modern teacher is, I'm, I'm delivering this information because probably, probably, not necessarily, but probably, I have been studying it and practicing it a little more time than you have been. And because of the fact that I have been reading it, studying it, practicing it longer, and also whatever work we do, which is work we're talking about in this course, Hopefully, I can, I can dispense it. I can be a conduit and a channel for the information in a way that genuinely transmits it from my heart to yours. Ambition is an interesting concept. In a way, you could say that the universe is ambitious, in that flowers grow, in that babies are born, in that life moves forward. But you might think of it as though, instead of being ambitious yourself, let the universe be ambitious for you. You relax into the space of stillness. You relax into the space of being who you're supposed to be and doing what you're supposed to do, and let the universe take it where the universe wants to take it. Another way of saying that is let, let God take it where God wants to take it. Every, every aspect of the universe is already programmed to go to the next best thing. If you are ambitious with any kind of psychotherapy or any kind of, of, of spiritual teaching, there's a problem there because there's always the potential, there's always the temptation to become transactional, that you're really looking at it as a client. You're really looking at this as a sales, you know, that you want them to come back or whatever. That takes you off. That takes you out of alignment with your power because when you're out of alignment with your innocence, you're out of alignment with your power. Your power lies in your innocence. Your power lies in the fact that you are prepared, you know your material, you know what you're doing, but you're not trying to make something happen. 
Universal wisdom is the water. You're just the faucet. You are not there, whether as a therapist or a teacher, you are not there to generate wisdom. Wisdom comes from the ethers. Wisdom is the, is the mind of God. And all of us are faucets. Think of the house as already wired for electricity. And each of us are lamps. Doesn't matter the shape of the lamp. Doesn't matter the size of the lamp. Doesn't matter the color of the lamp, the design of the lamp, anything. What matters is that the lamp is plugged in. And with your thoughts and your correctness, you know, think of it like yoga, that you get your, your position correct. That's what matters. You get your position correct, and then you relax within that space. It's really the same thing, but attitudinally. So you're not there ambitious to make anything happen. You're there to be in this moment and to allow everything to happen. If you are a therapist or if you are a teacher, no matter what your work is, whether you're a coach, no matter what the form is, the most powerful thing you can do, in addition to all the things we're talking about in this course of really knowing your material, which is first and foremost, is to bless the client, the student, whomever they are, the patient, before you go in, before you go into the room, you spend your time in blessing. It'd be a very good idea for you to spend, if you can, five minutes. All minds are joined and people can feel subconsciously they know when they've been blessed. Just like you walk into a room and you know when people have been talking stuff about you, you can feel that. You can also feel it when you walk into a room and people wish you well and people want you to win. And that's the greatest gift you can give to your client or to your student, that they feel from you that you really want them to win. Now, if I go into a situation like that and I'm ambitious for my own career, I'm just using you on some level for my win. So you got to decide what you're going to be. And if you're going to really be someone playing this particular work at the deepest, most important level, you're there for their win. Now, remember, there's only one of us here. That's how you're going to win. But you can't say, okay, I'm going to be there for their win in order that I win. It doesn't work that way. Although The Course in Miracles does say that we become generous out of self-interest. Once you know how the universe works, you know that being there for someone else is the same thing as being there for yourself. In The Course in Miracles, it talks about God's psychotherapists. There is an actual pamphlet, which is part of The Course in Miracles material, Psychotherapy, Purpose, Process, and Practice. And in that, it says that the client has been assigned by the Holy Spirit to the psychotherapist for the ultimate soul growth of the psychotherapist, as much as the psychotherapist has been assigned to the client for their ultimate soul growth. So you enter into it not thinking you're going to dispense this wisdom, but knowing that to the extent to which you hold the space, knowing that you're not the healer, God is the healer. You're holding the space is what The Course in Miracles calls the presence of the alternative. You receive at the level that you are willing to receive. So God is infinite in everyone's life, but the issue is to become practiced at listening and practiced at receiving that which God gives. So you don't go into a psychotherapy session thinking, I'm going to heal this person. In fact, you take everything that you've learned, both psychotherapeutically and spiritually, which becomes 
very much in many ways the same material in many instances of interface. And you don't go in thinking, I'm going to give. Once again, you're the, you're the faucet, you're not the water, but you're going to be empty. You know, this is very, very Eastern in feel. You know, in the Eastern uh, religions, they talk about being an empty rice bowl, right? The Zen mind is the beginner's mind, the empty mind. You empty your mind, you empty your rice bowl so the Tao can fill it. Which also in the New Testament is what Jesus meant when he said, be ye as a little child. And then, of course, in miracles, he says, be as a little child because children know that they don't know. And so they're waiting for adults to explain things to them. We, especially with all you know, our learning, I've learned how to be a therapist, I've learned how to be a teacher. So you go into these situations and you're so loaded down with this almost a burden of information and just wanting to give it, but somehow that leaves out the miracle because it leaves out that point of deep connection out of which healing actually stems. You want to be educated. You want to have your material, but it's kind of like a great actor. You know, you've rehearsed your lines, but man, once it's, once it's the curtain opens, you got to just let it rip. And the same with information as a teacher or as a therapist. Your subconscious has it in there. You have to be prepared. You're not winging it. You know, you let God wing it. Interesting wings, yeah. But your subconscious, the information is in there. So it's an art form of being informed, doing your work, doing your practice, making sure that you yourself seek to practice these things, making sure that you yourself have learned these things, but then to be present in that moment, what the Course in Miracles calls the holy instant with, with the client. Then you will receive levels of intuitive information and insight that book learning alone could not have taught you. This is particularly interesting in today's world because psychotherapy itself as a profession is going through a tremendous revolution. The same way everything is going through a tremendous revolution now. In the 21st century, we are leaving behind the Newtonian model, the mechanistic, rationalistic model for life. And we are entering an age when a much more holistic, integrative, sustainable perspective on everything is now in vogue because it's our next evolutionary step. We realize the primacy of consciousness. And consciousness is not just something to be fixed when it's broken. It is something to be, to be purified of all of the false information and false beliefs of the world so that the true shining self can just come forward. And you can call that true shining self the Christ, you can call it the Buddha mind, you can call it the Shekinah, the idea of the true self, the self with a capital S. That is the purpose of psychotherapy, to help the client discover all the impediments to their shining, to help the client discover all the impediments that, that form barriers to the love that otherwise would be there. So psychotherapy is very holy. That's what the psychotherapist is. It is the new priesthood. But the dominant psychotherapeutic paradigm, because it lacks the spiritual dimension, is very limited. 
in its capacity to ultimately heal. And I, I know that you're taking this course, you're watching this program, because you want to hear more of the information, the spiritual information, which can augment the psychotherapeutic information that you already have. But I wanted to take this moment just to talk about the shift that these principles present into the idea into the whole notion of why a psychotherapist is even in the room and what your actual role is. So number one, seek to pray for the person, send your goodwill, send your love before you even enter the room. And what this does is this aligns your mind with the mind of God. The mind of God, out of that space, every miracle will flow. You, on, on levels that you have no idea, you will be used. And that's, that's the point. You're the faucet, you're not the water. And, and in any kind of teaching, what we want to do is to surrender to God who and what we are to be used for God's purposes. Use my hands, use my feet. And when you're in a, in a psychotherapeutic situation, dear God, fill my mind so that I'll, I'll know how to think about this, my heart, so that this person will feel loved by me. Miracles happen in the presence of compassion and non-judgmental listening. And dear God, tell me what to say, if anything. And sometimes you'll be moved to just listen with compassion. And sometimes you'll feel moved to say something. And sometimes it might even surprise you what it is that you ended up saying. You know, one of the principles of A Course in Miracles is that God has an answer to every problem the moment that the problem occurs. It's kind of like the universe is a GPS, and when you make a mistake or someone else makes a mistake, it automatically recalibrates. There's always a road back to that which would be perfect. And the way this works collectively is, given the collective insanity of the human race, A Course in Miracles says that God has a plan for the healing of God's Son, which means humanity, and that this plan is called in A Course in Miracles the plan of the teachers of God. Then it says that the teacher of God is anyone who chooses to be one. They come from all religions and no religion. It is the one who has heard the call. And the call is going out all the time in every aspect of time and space. What does that mean? We're all being called. We're being called. Be your better self. Be be forgiving, be more compassionate, rise to the occasion. Don't allow yourself to just sink into the mire of your neurotic patterns and your woundedness and your victimization. We are being called to the higher place. And the Course in Miracles says that the call is not only going out all the time, but we know this line that we've all heard, many are called, but few are chosen, means that everyone is called, but few care to listen. This issue of listening is extremely important. You know, in both Judaism and in Christianity, there is a term used in The Course in Miracles, which is the small, still voice for God. Think of yourself as having a radio link to the voice for God. Everybody has this radio link. The Holy Spirit is this eternal communication link between God and us. The problem for most of us is that there's so much static in the radio all the time that we can't hear we can't hear the voice, but it is there. So the issue isn't whether or not God is talking to us. The issue is whether or not we are practiced at listening. Too many people, it's like our ear, our, the power of our listening is like the ear is a muscle that has withered away. This is what meditation does. This is what prayer does. And it's worth noting here that all the great religious systems that I have ever studied concentrate on the power of prayer and meditation in the morning.
This is important because in the morning is when your mind is most open to new impressions. So if you wake up in the morning and you go directly for your phone, directly for the, for the computer, directly for the, for, the, you know, for the television or the radio, then you're taking in, you're downloading literally the consciousness, the race consciousness of the, of the human insanity, the fear, the anxiety. We practice through prayer in the morning, through your meditation in the morning. Then what happens is that you ground yourself in the vertical. See, this is why so many people aren't more powerful on the horizontal level of the world, because we're not more powerful in the vertical. Make your power grounded in that which is between you and the divine. Look at the Star of David and look at the Christian cross. Notice how both of them symbolically represent the intersection point between the vertical and the horizontal, living on the earth and connection to the divine. And that is the purpose. You know, the Course in Miracles in talking about Jesus says, he lived on the earth, but thought only the thoughts of heaven. What we want to be is grounded in our bodies, but our consciousness uplifted. Heaven being neither a condition nor a place, but our awareness of our oneness. Hell is what the ego would make of the present moment, the anxiety and the depression of being out of alignment with the love in our hearts. And heaven is the inner peace, which is the point of all this, which comes from being in alignment, which can only occur when we are willing to see the innocence in our brother and to perceive and to recognize the innocence within ourselves and to behave from that place. Now, to choose to be a teacher of God means to choose to dedicate our lives to listening. The prayer is, may I hear what God would have me do so that then I can do what God would have me do. And when you talk about God telling you what God would have you do, remember God's not outside you. God is the love in you just as you are inside God. The Course in Miracles says we are extensions of God. We are the effect. He is the cause. We are the extension of the thought that is God. And the only difference between us is that He created us, but we did not create Him. That's why the term is the child of God or the son of God. When we see the purpose of our lives as the healing of the world, and this is what gives life a sense of meaning. Too many pe people feel like, I, I don't know what I'm here to do. You know, I always say, if you have a nagging suspicion, you're wasting your life, it's because you probably are. Because until you know who you are and what you're here for, you're kind of lost in the desert, you're wandering. The journey of the teacher of God is the journey to the realization that I am a child of God. I'm a child of the divine. I am an effect of, the, of a divine creator, and I am here to extend that energy or that love. So the love is coming in all the time. We want to be open receptors because at every moment you're choosing to either receive or to close yourself to the love of God. But once again, you can't separate the love of other people from the love of God. The issue is to receive it and then to extend it. You know, there's a place in The Course in Miracles where he says, my way is not difficult, but it is different. And that's what's hard about this stuff. It's simple enough, these principles. What's hard is getting over our resistance to doing it. And there is strong resistance because the entire consciousness of the human race is dominated by ego rather than spiritual thinking. And the ego is very sly and very insidious. It doesn't announce itself as your self-hatred. It announces yourself, itself as your self-love. I mean, when you think of the biggest mistakes you've ever made, I know when I think of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my life, felt like the right idea at the time. 
You know, I never woke up in the morning intending to be a jerk, intending to ruin everything, intending to self-sabotage, intending to undermine my own good. No, it, it's the ego mind is so part of the mental habit pattern of the human race. And, and also it's so easy to find other people who will join with you and the perceptions of the ego. You have to take care of yourself and they shouldn't have done that to you. There is so much social permission for victimization. There's so much social permission for finding guilt in other people. There's so much <clears throat> social permission for judgment that it's easy to just go along. That's why in the, in the Lord's prayer, leave us not in temptation. Leave us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and thine is the glory. In fact, why don't we right now go through the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Okay, our source who art in that consciousness of the awareness of oneness. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's, that's very profound. That means sacred space around that understanding. Hallowed be thy name. In other words, in the midst of all this ultimate meaninglessness that dominates my consciousness, I just want to create a space, get rid of all the clutter, and live in this hallowed space. You know, it's like in the Jewish religion when you light the candles on, on, on the Sabbath, and like this, you go like this. The mantle, it's very profound in the religions where, whether it's Jewish women, um, Orthodox Jewish women who wear the wig, or, or Muslim women who are wearing the scarf, the idea that you, you take this mantle over you, the mantle of God, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now that's, that's why is, what's, what's going on there? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Because thy kingdom is not what dominates the human plane. So you're affirming thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy is God, meaning love. Will means thoughts. So thy will, thy kingdom mean your manifestations and your will, your thoughts, which create those manifestations, be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because heaven is the awareness of oneness where that's always what's happening. On earth, it's not what's happening. So in prayer, you're affirming Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not just in my concept, but in my actual practical human experience. Leave us, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Both pieces are equally important. Atoning for my own mistakes, forgiving others for theirs. Because thy kingdom can't be done, thy will can't be done, until I'm in that purified place of consciousness, right? Where I'm atoning for my mistakes and forgiving others for theirs. Forgive others for their trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And leave us not in temptation. What that means is, dear God, I'm going to be tempted to every possible neurotic thought today. I'm going to be tempted to judgmental thought. I'm going to be tempted to victimization thought. I'm going to be tempted to think my wound is, is who I am. I'm going to be tempted to have more faith in disaster than in faith in the power of God to heal the disaster. Leave us not in temptation, but deliver us. 
the issue of deliverance. That's what, you know, Moses was sent to deliver his people. The issue of enlightenment is the issue of deliverance. Deliver me from this false sense of self. Deliver me from this small-mindedness. Deliver me from this anger. Deliver me from this wound, this, this, this nebbishy place. Deliver me from this, this, this going on and on and on with criticism and negativity. Deliver me from this small self. Deliver us from evil, because that's what ma is the manifestation of evil in the world is, is, is always a product of someone having completely forgotten who they are. Deliver us from evil, for thine is the power, and thine is the glory forever and ever. Amen. Forever and ever, amen, means moment after moment after moment. Now, everything that I just said, once again, these principles, it's not, they're difficult, but boy, they're different. They're, they're contrary. The Course in Miracles says that the thinking of God is 180 degrees away from the thinking of the world. To the extent to which we practice this, to the extent to which we behave in alignment, that we think in alignment with these things, we are miracle workers. Because when your mind is changed, when your own mind when you yourself have atoned, and the Course in Miracles says the primary responsibility of the miracle worker is to accept the atonement for himself. That means if my mind is corrected, then my thinking about you will be corrected by definition. And then the Course in Miracles calls you a teacher of God, a minister of God. We are all in that place ministers of God. What you do for a living, you might be a therapist, you might be a so-called spiritual teacher, you might be an artist, you might be a scientist, you might be a, an educator, you might be a business person. The form of life is not what matters, it's the content that matters. So the issue is to be in your own thinking, simply here as a minister of God. This is a big deal for everybody going around these days calling themselves spiritual teachers. It's um, not that cool, you know, in the Eastern religions, and in the East, a guru never calls himself or herself a guru. Um, it's kind of grandiose. The Course in Miracles talks about the difference between grandeur and grandiosity. And, you know, we're all here as teachers of God. I know in my own career, what makes me, in any moment that I'm a teacher of God, the Course in Miracles would say, it's not because I'm talking about the Course in Miracles. It's, it's because in whatever moment that I'm practicing what I preach, I am a teacher of God. In any moment when I'm not practicing what I preach, no matter what I'm talking about, I'm not. So there's a profound humility uh, that should go along with any of this kind of work. Um, and putting yourself up as any, like I'm a spiritual teacher, um, let other people say it about you, but try to stay away from that one yourself because uh, the ego loves to get in there. You always want to remember your power in any situation lies in knowing who you are and why you're there. Who you are is a child of God. Who you are is, is literally an ambassador of God on the earth. You know, if somebody, you know, sometimes people treat us like, who do you think you are, God's gift to the world? Well, yes, actually you are. No more and no less than anyone else. The Course in Miracles says all of the children of God are special and none of the children of God are special. You're not claiming to have special power, but that which is within you is infinitely powerful. It is a power in you, but not of you. And so it, when your attitude is, I'm seeking to receive it, 
that through me it might be extended in whatever way God wills. And that issue of God's will, which means love's thoughts, because will is thought and God is love, assigns, just like every cell in the body is assigned, you to the heart, you to the lungs, you to the abdomen, right? Well, we're assigned, you, North America, <clears throat> you, South America, you, Europe, you, Asia, you, Russia, you, Africa, or you to the arts, you to education, you to politics, you to whatever it is. But the issue is the content. Now, to know that in any situation is your power. Remember, your power on a material plane, this is a big deal. Your power on the material plane derives from your knowing that you're not of the material plane. This material plane is just, it's a body. The body is, is just a suit of clothes that we're wearing. It's just a container. So the Course in Miracles says that when we are in any situation, making ourselves available to be used, we will be assigned. We will know where to go and what to do and what to say and to whom. And one of the exercises in the Course is when you wake up in the morning, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say? and to home. Your power then lies, let's say you know you're going to go to a business meeting, you know you're going to go on a date, wherever you're going to go. Take the time, just like how you know sometimes an Olympic athlete coach will have the athlete see the move before they actually make the move. Send your love before you. Send your love to everybody that you know is going to be there, and then maybe you're going to be in some business situation with people that you don't even know are going to be there. Send your love before you. Like, you know, I don't know who they're going to be. I send my love to the people I know are going to be there. And I send my love to the people who I don't even know are going to be there. Because everybody subconsciously knows everything. And when you are thinking that you're only there to bless, you are literally co-creating with God. You are allowing your mind to be used for God's purposes. And guess what? You bless others, guess what they're going to do to you? Hello. You're going to find them blessing you. You hook into that place. You align with that place. Now, the Course in Miracles says that prayer is the medium of miracles. You know, the Course in Miracles is divided into three books. The text, the workbook, and then something called the Manual for Teachers. The first book, the text, is the intellectual basis of the Course. But the second book, the workbook is the crux of the course because in the workbook, you actually go through 365 days worth of lessons that train the mind to think along the lines that the text sets forth. If you only have it intellectually, the Course in Miracles says that enlightenment begins with abstract concept. But then those concepts take a journey without distance from the head to the heart. That's where prayer comes in. An intellectual shift alone does not do it. It's a change in the heart. And that is the medium of miracles, prayer and prayerfulness. So when I, when I say that you actually pray for people and send your love before you go, you know, sometimes I'll say to people, did you pray about it? And I'll get an answer like, oh, I know it's in God's hands. When I say, did you pray about it? I'm not saying, do you know it's in God's hands? Just knowing it in God's hands is different than putting it in God's hands, because God himself will not violate his own laws. And his law of free will is everything. You know, that's what makes you different than the acorn turning into the oak tree or the embryo turning into the baby. You can say no. The acorn can't say no. Free will means that in any given moment, I want to open myself to be used for God's purposes. I can, 
But if I don't, and I want my mind to just kind of hang out, there's no such thing as a neutral thought. All thought creates form on some level. So if I just wake up in the morning and let my mind be just inundated by the assault of fear, that's what I'll be at the effect of, and that's what I will be transmitting. But the minister of God, the teacher of God, is here to be the presence of the alternative. So you practice on the level of attitudinal musculature. Just like you go to the gym and you, and you practice, you know, you, you, you have accumulated, you know, you're, you're lifting those weights, accumulating anti-gravitational force. And if you don't, physical gravity is going to pull your muscles down. The same is true on the level of attitude. What is, is emotional and psychological gravity? Cynicism, anger, negativity, controlling, victimization. It'll always pull you down. Spiritual practice is a way of developing the capacity, literally, to rise above in consciousness. Look to the hills. Look above. Look above this turbulence. Prayer is very powerful in doing this. The Course in Miracles says five minutes spent with the Holy Spirit in the morning is enough to guarantee he will be in charge of your thought forms throughout the day. Now, if your Course in Miracles student doing the workbook exercises, this is the, it's a, it's a specific curriculum in dismantling a thought system based on fear in the first half of the year and then accepting in the second half of the year a thought system based on love. And that doesn't mean you get to stop at the end of a year. It's, it's just like physical exercise. You never get to stop. You never get to like look at yourself in the mirror and go, oh, that's cool. I can stop now. Because the minute you stop, gravity's going to pull you down after a certain age anyway, right? Same with our attitudes. It's just maintenance forever. So I'd like to take this moment to go through a meditation, one of the prayers and one of the meditations that, that will enable you to align yourself not only with the love that is within you, but the power of that love that is within you. We see in the middle of our mind a little ball of golden light. We watch this light as it begins to grow larger and larger until now it covers the entire inner vision of our mind. And we see for ourselves within this light a beautiful temple. And we see a garden that surrounds the temple and a body of water that flows through the garden. We see that the inside of the temple is lit as well by this same beautiful golden light. And here we are. Everyone that I'm going to be with today, dear God, I know is your beloved child. And I know that you have created everyone in total innocence. And I know, dear God, that my ego mind would have me judge people I meet, think that people or situations aren't good enough. And I know that beyond the veil of judgment and illusion, there lies a perfect universe of truth. I invite the Holy Spirit of God to enter my mind today. I willingly and consciously surrender every thought and every feeling that I might receive new eyes and new ears, that my mind might be delivered beyond perception to the realm of true knowledge. May I see the innocence in everyone that I meet today, dear God, and may they feel 
their innocence in my presence. May I remember to bless everyone I see or even think of today. And may they feel blessed in my presence. For thus shall I feel myself blessed. I surrender to you today, dear God, everything I do, every project, every activity with which I am involved. May it be used for love's purposes and love's purposes only. My relationships, my parenthood, my being a child to my parents, my role as citizen, my role as spouse, my role as lover, my role as friend, my role as colleague, my role as employer, my role as employee, in whatever situation I find myself, dear God. May I be there as appointed for your purposes, and may I be a vessel of love, a conduit of your compassion, your mercy, your strength, your goodness, your affirmation, that people might feel around me that they are blessed and thus uplifted. May everything I do be used by you to promote, to foster, to extend the healing of the world. May the light of this understanding so fill my mind that darkened thoughts of neurosis and fear, separation and guilt have no power to enter. Post angels around my head, your thoughts, dear God. Post your angels that thoughts of littleness and narrowness and limitation and fear cannot enter, for they cannot enter where you abide. Enter here where you already are. in my conscious awareness that through my conscious oneness with you, all that you are, infinite love and the power of that love through me might heal all things. Thank you for listening to this class with Marianne Williamson. If you like this, I encourage you to watch the full 10-day program with a free trial of Commune membership at onecommune.com trial. Commune membership unlocks more than 90 courses on personal development, health, and social impact, including an additional course with Marianne on relationships. Just go to onecommune.com trial to sign up for free. As Marianne says, the issue isn't whether or not God is talking to us. The issue is whether or not we are practiced at listening. I hope you enjoyed listening to her words here. That's all from the commune for this week. My name is Jeff Krasnow, and I am here for you.